The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Well, hello, listeners in listener land. We want to give a big shout-out welcome to Ellie Wharton. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. And I'm Ellie. And Ellie's back. I know. I've been on assignment for three weeks. You've been on assignment for three weeks, and I told Chris last week uh, your assignment was to listen to the show, and you have a test that you were supposed to turn in. <laughs> Chris failed to give me the instructions. Uh, well, Ellie gets a zero, Chris. I get a zero. For, oh, assign- for her assignment. I know, for my assignment. Now, you can turn it in late, too. Yeah. <laughs> Intune's a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. In studio, we have Amy Bornstein, who's the Director of Literary and Jewish Arts, and she is actually the Executive Director of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I run the Jewish Book Festival. Welcome to In Tune yeah, today. Welcome. Thank you. Because if people have not been to the Jewish Book Festival, they are missing a treat. Well, let's give, let's give them a little insight because this is the 40th, 41st year, correct? Yes. The 41st year, and it's an annual celebration of authors, books, and ideas during the first two weeks of November, and there's a a variety of topics. There's been previous festival speakers, get this, uh, Michael Bloomberg, Alan Dershowitz, Richard Dreyfuss, Marley Matlin, Leonard Nimoy, Neil Simon, William Shatner, Lily Tomlin, Henry Winkler, among many others. Amazing. And who is the... is the festival speaker this year. This year, we're excited to welcome Isaac Mizrahi as our festival keynote. Wow. Known for his fashion designs um, and his time on Project Runway, his line with Target, and his book, um, his memoir is really about his life um, growing up and what led him to that success. That is amazing. He actually did an opera directed an opera, I think, for Opera St. Louis also. He sure did. In uh, about 2014, he right. directed an opera here in St. Louis. So he's right. really excited to come back. And we're very lucky that St. Louis made such a great impression on Isaac that he's returning. So give us an overview of the festival. When does it begin? When does he speak? And uh, I know I said it's for like two weeks. What what can people expect? And within all of that, tell us how to get to where we need to go and how to get tickets, et cetera. Sure. The St. Louis Jewish Book Festival, as you mentioned, it's annual. This is the 41st year. And we're really excited about the authors that we're inviting to come to St. Louis and speak to our community. All of these authors have new books published this year. Some are returning authors who've been to St. Louis, such as Dr. Michael Roizen. He was here a few years ago with a book called Age Proof. And he's coming back with a book called What to Eat When, very insightful about when to eat the right foods. Um, But we have an incredible lineup of authors starting on November 3rd with Isaac Mizrahi. That's our opening keynote celebration and continuing until November 15th. So we'll do about three author programs a day at 1030 in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon and seven o'clock at night. And every program is priced individually, but really the best way to take advantage of all that the festival has to offer is by purchasing a premier pass. And that's for $110 and grants access to every single program within the festival through to the spring of next year. 
Wow. So that includes our bookend events that we'll have after the festival. And it's really just a great way to take advantage of everybody that we have coming in. People can get their tickets um, online at our book festival website, which is stljewishbookfestival.org. Also by visiting the J um, in Creve Corps, we have a box office there open during normal business hours or calling our box office, which is at 314-442-3299. So lots of ways to buy tickets. Also, they're always for sale at the door. So we invite everybody to come and see what we've got going on this year. So if we go to like one of these like 1030 or two o'clock or whatever, or evening ones, what can people expect from an author? Uh, are they going to sign books? Are they going to? Is it a back and forth Q and A? Is it just a lecture kind of thing? What can people expect to yeah, see? Yeah, every author program is a little bit different. We sort of tailor it depending on the strengths of the author and the topic. But generally, we have our authors speak for about forty to forty-five minutes, where they're able to share about their book, their inspiration, their life. Sometimes that's supported with um, visuals, things like that. And then we do an open Q and A. So every program has a Q and A, so the audience is able to ask questions. And following every program, we also do a book signing with each author. Every author's book is for sale in our pop-up festival bookstore for the whole two weeks of the festival. So you can buy the books on campus at the festival and help support the J with those proceeds and then get your book signed by the authors that are coming to visit after every single program. So where, uh, for people who aren't familiar with the J, where exactly is that located? The J, um, the Jewish Community Center, is um, located, our main location is in Creve Corps. Um, at the corner of Lindbergh Boulevard and Chutes. We also have some other campuses around St. Louis, but the book festival will take place primarily at that Creve Corps location at Lindbergh and Chutes. And we do programs um, alternating between our gym space and our auditorium space, but everything's in the same building and it's extremely accessible. It's handicap friendly. We also have cart open captioning for some of our programs for those who are deaf or hard of hearing. So they'll be able to read along to the program during the author presentation. And there's going to be quite a few people out for these things. Absolutely. If you've got a gymnasium and an auditorium that is going to be yeah. the, 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 the facilities. A lot of people come to it. Last year, I came to the um, presentation with Jamie Bernstein, and she was fabulous. Amazing. And the place was packed with very, very young people that I wouldn't have even thought would have known who she was. And the Q&A was great. The book signing. And I even read the book. It was. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it was a very interesting presentation about her life growing up in, you know, in the Lower East Side and having all of these fa- fa- famous people coming in and out of her home that she didn't even realize they were famous people. They were just friends of her of her mom and dad. But what an interesting life she had. Somewhat, somewhat tragic. Though yes, we're so tragic. We're so lucky in St. Louis. We have incredible audiences that really come out for the festival. Hundreds of people come to every single program, and it is welcome to anybody who'd like to be there. Um, members of the Jewish community, members of our entire region that are interested in just these topics that relate to our region, our culture, our community, and um, we're also lucky that we have authors that want to come out and help present to this community on those topics. I, th- I think that's very interesting it, that the yeah. authors want to do that. Matter of fact, if folks, you need to stay tuned at the 1130 portion of the show. We're going to have Elizabeth Weitzman on, and we're calling her in New York. New York City? <laughs> and she's going to be talking about uh, one of her books, and I'll mention that in a little bit. But how did you get started in this? This is not your initial kind of um, uh, f- 
main thing that you were going to be doing. It's true. I really sort of landed in this role at the J last year doing the book festival and literary and Jewish arts. But I moved to St. Louis to uh, do public relations and work at Build-A-Bear Workshop in their corporate headquarters. Okay. So that was the path I was That's on. That's great. Um, and it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, everyone knows Build-A-Bear. What an incredible company. And to work at the heart of that organization was just amazing. But different things led me to um, work in the Jewish community. I'm of the Jewish faith and I really wanted to be doing work that was directly impacting um, the community that I was a part of. And in St. Louis, we have such a vibrant Jewish community that welcomes so many people. So I made a transition over to the Jewish Federation of St. Louis, which is similar to a United Way organization. They raise money and um, disperse that out through grants to people in the community and abroad. And through that work, it really sort of led me over to um, these Jewish services and the the impact that we can have in a community, not just for our the the Jewish individuals, but for everybody and the power that we have. So that brought me to the J and the incredible touch points that the J has out in St. Louis. Um, and I was very lucky to to be given this role with the book festival. That's that's great. And you know what's really good about the Jewish book festival is that it it is so filled with emotion. The writers, you know, because. I don't think that Americans really understand the plight of the of the Jewish people. You know, you've heard certain things and maybe people think, oh, I've got a Jewish friend, you know, kind of like I got a black friend, that right. kind of thing, you know, yeah. but they don't realize that there is such a history and it comes out in the writing, it comes out in the presentations, mm -hmm. you know, and it really makes you understand the, the value of the Jewish community here mm -hmm. in not just in the United States, but in the world, mm -hmm. a very tremendous history. Absolutely. Um, the, the platform that we have through the Jewish Community Center to do this program is intended to bring those important ideas and concepts to St. Louis, to have everybody um, sometimes using the platform of the Jewish experience, but to have difficult conversations, to look at um, racism and oppression and hate and um, what's going on in our community, our country. So we really try to tackle some of those bigger issues and start conversations right here in St. Louis that might not have had a spark previously. Now, were you involved in getting the, the authors, uh, corralling the authors for the uh, book festival? Were you involved in that process? Yes, I have the privilege of working with all of the authors on their, um, on bringing them to St. Louis. We have a tremendous volunteer committee as well that reviews hundreds of author submissions um, to decide which authors we're going to bring in this year. And we work with several publishers as well to see um, what new authors might be up and coming, who um, is writing topics that are important and interesting to us. And through all of these different channels, we're able to curate the list of authors that come in. So I'm going to read a list of the authors that are going to be here and their books. And if you want to interject anything at any time, please feel free to. Okay. So on, on Monday, or excuse me, Sunday, November 3rd is, is the keynote, as, as you mentioned previously. Then on Monday, Susan Miller and her book is Permission to Thrive, My Journey from Grief to Growth. And it's a book about her journey, which begins when her 14-year-old daughter dies suddenly from a brain tumor. Um, Very interesting. Uh, Pam Jenoff, The Lost Girls of Paris. I thought this was very interesting. A story of a group of British female spies sent to France during World War II. 
That's all. I'll leave it there. I, I was going to say, man, wait a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it there. That. Pam Jenoff is an incredible author. She's written several books that people know. I think The Orphan Tale is one. It's being made into a movie. And lots of book clubs are reading that book right now. Yeah. So we're excited for Pam to come. Well, that does sound like a movie, which you were just saying. that I could see it. Right? You can see it yeah, playing out yeah, on screen. Yeah, I can see it playing on the screen. Yeah. Then uh, Mara Gad, The Color of Love, A Portrait of a Mixed-Race Jewish Girl. She debuts about a mixed-race Jewish woman who, after 15 years of estrangement from her racist great-aunt, helps bring her home when Alzheimer strikes. It's mm. incredible. It's really one of my my favorites coming to the festival. There's something for everyone in now, that one. Now, when is she? She's Monday night, November 4th. 4th at 7 o'clock. Oh, okay, great. Then there is Dawn Raffle, if I'm pronouncing Dawn's last name correctly. The Strange Case of Dr. Cooney, How a Mysterious European Showman Saved Thousands of American Babies. I thought this was fascinating in that for 40 years he saved tiny premature babies by placing them in incubator sideshows at Coney Island. What? Yeah, I was like... And he was fighting a eugenics movement during the time of hospitals that thought these babies wouldn't survive. And um, he sort of became the father of neonatology. Yeah, folks, that's why this is so fascinating. This book festival is fascinating. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Yosef Bashir, The Words of My Father, Love and Pain in Palestine. A Palestinian-American activist recalls his adolescence in Gaza. Ooh, man, I, I'm sure that's a very riveting story there. Yes, and, apt, and the, there's a lot of themes of peace and coexistence there, which are so timely. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very much so. And we have St. Louis's own Art Shamsky. Yes. Who is going to be interviewed by Ben Hochman. Okay. From the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Yeah, After right. the Miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 1969 Mets. That's a good one for you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Because Art Shamsky was a U-Sidian. Really? Yes, he was. He sure was, yeah. I know that. Yes, because you're a U-Sidian. I'm a U-Sidian. I hung out in U-City a lot. I used to, as a matter of fact, Amy, you'll find this funny. I used to go over, I had Jewish friends when I went to high school, and they would invite me to come over on Friday night to go oh. to the community center in U-City and do Jewish folk dancing. It's amazing. It was amazing. I used, I used, I'd tell everybody, I'd go there and I'd sweat my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> I must have danced a whole lot then. <laughs> So that was over on Olive. Yes, yeah. that's right. And I tell you, it's next to I an A and P like, grocery yeah, store. Yeah, I said, man, those Jewish kids—they know how to party on a Friday night. <laughs> okay. uh, then there's Jack Hirsch, Death March Escape: The Remarkable Story of a Man Who Twice Escaped the Nazi Holocaust. And this program, we're um, it, we're partnering with the Holocaust Museum in St. Louis, which is on our campus. Yes, it is fabulous. I've been to that. They've been on yes. our show. Yes. So we're right. bringing in um, students from all around the region who are going to bus in, do a tour of the museum, and then come and hear that presentation. Very cool. So wow. Hopefully very moving for the students that, involved. That will be. That'll uh, be great. Um, is it Margalit? Yes. Margalit Fox. Conan Doyle for the defense, the true story of a sensational British murder, a quest for justice, and the world's most famous detective writer. Another movie. That's right. <laughs> wow. Then we have, and we'll talk about her in, in, at the 11.30 hour, but A Woman's Night featuring Elizabeth Weitzman. So I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to blow the second half of the interview here. Uh, Elena Horich, Metal, excuse me, Meal and a Spiel, How to Be a... Bad A in the kitchen. <laughs> Notice I, I, I Yeah, because Chris didn't look like he was ready to hit the He, he wasn't ready to hit the beat <laughs> hit button. The beat button. <laughs> Keep it clean. So she's a former comedian and high school t- history teacher who lived for five years in Italy, earned a graduate degree in Jewish-Italian history. 
We love and doing cooking. We love doing food books and okay. cooking. So those okay. are always favorites among the festival. I There's bet. There's Sarah Hurwitz here all along, a reintroduction to Judaism. Mm. Then we have David Itzkoff, and the book is called Robin. It's the definitive biography of Robin Williams. Oh, that should be very deep. Very deep. A hundred original interviews with family, friends, and colleagues. It's a fresh look about his life. So those are, that's some, really some, some interesting and really vibrating kinds of... Uh, when I was reading the list, I was earlier, this was a couple of weeks ago when I got the email, I was like, man, I'd like to see that one. I'd like to see that one. I know. I, like that one. I was listening. I'm going, <laughs> I okay, what is that one? What is that one? I, I just you. think I better buy the $110 ticket and just go. There you go. Well, the pass is great. People can come to whatever they're able yes. to. And um, and we try to really vary the topics and themes in the book festival. So there's a little bit of something for everyone who might be interested in literature, pop culture, history, um, religion, sports, cooking, anything. So we really try to change it up. So has anything changed over the last 41 years as it relates to the yeah. book festival? Oh, my gosh. So much has stayed the same, but of course so much has changed because we are an adapting community and adapting people. And so we've tried to really stay relevant to mm -hmm. what people want to hear about, um, make sure that we're bringing in topics that are relatable and of interest to the audiences. And I think one of the biggest changes, and it's sort of interesting to talk about, but you read a lot of the names of people who've been to our festival before. I think what people are sometimes surprised to see is that there's less of those big names, those famous people. And that has to do with just a change in really the way that the 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 Hollywood works, that those people aren't traveling as much anymore. But we promise that we don't always have the the biggest names anymore, but we have really big stories. And that's what people can look forward to. Do you think the internet and the advent of being able to, you know, get everything off of your phone has changed a little of that? Because, you know, yes. if you're not seeing them, you know, if I can't go online and watch a movie or something like that, that you know, that has changed the approach? I think I, I think it totally has. And I think for the celebrities, they have a lot of different ways to engage with their audiences where they're not traveling around the country as much. They're going on Twitter. They're engaging through podcasts and things like that with their audience. But it also means that we have an opportunity to really bring to light some of the new unknown authors and recognize some hidden talents that then are the real gems that come out of the festival. I think that's a great description of that, the hidden talents, the gems, which is true because a lot of times there's great books out there, whether they're novels or nonfiction kind of stories. And it's finding them because there's so many people that like to write and they're good writers, but you yeah. get lost in this plethora of, you know, piles of piles, piles of books. and piles of books. But you know, the book clubs have been a tremendous way for authors to really break into larger groups. Because I, I'm an author. And I, I always tell my authors when I work with them that you're going to sell the most books when you're at a book signing. Yes. Okay. But the second way is to get in with book clubs. Because now you have groups of people buying your book and reading it together who then go tell the next group of people. Right. And because book club people are a, a very unique group of people. They're they great. Are. We they're, do love book clubs. They're great. And they tell the next group and the next group and the next group. So I think that what you're doing for these authors is fantastic. We're talking to Thank Amy you. Bornstein. She's the executive director of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival, which will take place November 3rd through the 15th. There are approximately three programs a day. And if you want more information, go to stljewishbookfestival.org. 
And the box office is 314-442-3299. So you have to stay tuned in this 1130 to 12 hour. We're going to be continuing our conversation with Amy, but we're also going to be talking to Elizabeth Weitzman from New York City. And she's going to be talking to us about her latest book, and that's on Women's Night Renegade Women in Film and TV. I found this very interesting. There are people oh, wow, in there I yeah. didn't even know about. This is Arnold Stricker with Who are you? I'm Ellie. Ellie. Ellie's back. Ellie Ellie Wharton of Intune. You listen to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Amy Bornstein, who is the executive director of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. And on the line, we have Elizabeth Weitzman, who is going to be a guest author at one of the uh, evening events. And she is the author of the book, Renegade Women in Film and TV. Elizabeth, welcome to In Tune. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I know that you have a little cold or something. Actually, Ellie Wharton, our I, co-host, she has one too, I, so don't the, worry. No, no worries. It's, the, it's the fall foliage mold. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. You know what? Thank you, Ellie. That makes me feel much better. That's right. The fall foliage mold. That's what it is. Okay. Fall foliage mold. We, we will suffer together and forge forward together. <laughs> there right. you go. Because we're renegades, right, Elizabeth? <laughs> exactly. <we're> renegades. <laughs> Elizabeth has a, she has an unbelievable uh, biography. She is a uh, very prolific author. She has, in fact, this book, I was reading your website and a lot of the people that you talk about in the book, I've never even heard of. And I think that was one of the points of the book. Tell us a little bit about, give us an overview of the book, Renegade Women in Film and TV, and you mention, and mention some people that we do know, and then mention a couple people that were surprises to you that really touched you, their stories. Sure. Um, and you've got that exactly right. I really did want it to be a mix of people that we know about, but maybe really don't know their full story. And also, people we've never heard of, but who truly should be household names. Um, so the book actually starts with Alice Guy Blachet, who is someone that pretty much no one has ever heard of today. Um, but she was not just the first female filmmaker. She was actually one of the architects of cinema as we know it. Um, you know, she made what is often considered to be the very first fictional film. So all the movies that we watch now have her DNA in it. She opened one of America's first movie studios. She made more than a thousand films in every genre. And, you know, that was before there even were genres. So she was kind of defining them as she went. She pushed social boundaries in crucial ways, and she pioneered the use of techniques like sound, color, and special effects long before anyone else was even thinking about it. So, you know, I wanted everyone to know not just her name, but really who she was and how much she struggled and why we should still remember her today. Now, on the other end, I also wanted to hear from some of these renegades firsthand to find out what it's like to face that struggle. And I started out thinking I would interview maybe one or two people. I started at the very top. I figured what's the worst that can happen? She'll just say no. So I asked Barbara Streisand if she would talk to me for the book. And I will say much to my shock, she said yes. And she was amazing, and her interview turned out to be the centerpiece of the book. But it went so well that I thought, okay, 
who else can I hear from? And I interviewed um, Rita Moreno and Amy Poehler and Sigourney Weaver and lots of other icons um, that we know today, which these interviews are kind of interspersed with the stories of women we should know, like Anna Mae Wong, for example, the first Asian-American female movie star whose story is extraordinary. That is, Um, I I looked her up after I read some of the information that you had on her, and I was astounded at what I was reading. And, you know, if you see her movies, too, so in the back of the book, actually, um, just to sort of kind of combine these two questions, I, I asked my editors if it would be okay if I had a separate chapter called Essential Viewing, because I thought it was important not only that we know about their work, but that we can actually experience it ourselves. So um, each woman in the book has her own, you know, little space in the Essential Viewing section, and for Anna Mae Wong, it was her great film, a silent film called Piccadilly. Right. And when you see this film, you can, I mean, you understand immediately why she was an icon of her era, but it also breaks your heart because you also know that were it not for the racism of the times, she would be, you know, on the level of a Greta Garbo that we still know today. Yeah, she was a, um, she endured a lot of what was going on at the time and that was reflective of what was happening socially and really was outcast. And then she was even outcast from China, what I was reading, because she would play roles that really minimized Chinese in the eyes of, um, of other people. But she, she struggled. It was, it's very much like an artist who has to, I have to put things on the canvas that people want to buy versus the things that are on my heart and my mind. Yes, that's true. And another woman who followed in her path and also really forged trails um, for so many women after her was Dorothy Dandridge. You know, she is someone I can't understand why she also is not an icon on the level of a Marilyn Monroe, um, because she was so gorgeous and so talented and also so brilliant. Um, But, you know, she was the first black performer uh, ever nominated for a lead acting Oscar, but she too suffered so much um, by the restrictions that she faced, both as a woman of color and also as a fantasy sex symbol. Did you, you know, when you were writing this, because you've done a lot of books for children and young adults, Mm -hmm. uh, you're a movie critic, um, you have entertained and interviewed, I shouldn't say entertained, you've interviewed hundreds of celebrities. The, the driving force that really rode this theme of giving people stories that have not been heard, or, yeah, you know these people, but you really don't know this part of their life. What was, what was the, the impetus behind all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just said it so eloquently right there, is that even if you know them, you don't really know them. You know, most of us don't realize, for example, that Lucille Ball was a B-movie starlet in Hollywood for years before she broke through. And she really, had she followed that path, she would have been forgotten, you know, within a few years. Um, She made just dozens and dozens of kind of mid-level or even low-level movies. And she, too, was a brilliant woman, a renegade, who was so frustrated by the limitations that she faced that she also just, you know, kind of drew a door and then walked through it with Hmm. television. That's a very interesting illustration, drawing a door and then walking through it. 
I, well, the, these women in the early years, particularly, there really there was no path for them, you know. Um, so they had to actually start at the very beginning. And then, of course, one nice thing about the book is that um, because I did it, and I did this on purpose, because I did it chronologically, you really can see the advances mm-hmm. that people have made over the years. Um, the first stories tend to be a little bit sadder. Um, or just more inspiring in how women really kept going in the face of incredible odds, whereas the stories, you know, towards the back of the book, um, Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey and Ava DuVernay are just stories of complete triumph for the most part. You have, have people who have, have laid the groundwork. These women have laid the groundwork. They've, they've, they've bro- busted through the wall and put the door into the wall uh, that, that should have been there. A, a question about Frances Marion. Yeah, I read about her also, and as I was reading about Anna Mae Wong, I, you know, those two kind of captured me, and that Frances Marion was the first person, even of men or, or women, to get, and Ellie, you will like this, two Academy Awards, and you correct me if I'm wrong now on this, Elizabeth, two Academy Awards for screenwriting. Yeah, and you know, here is something really incredible. In 1930... She was. She not only became the first woman to win um, an Academy Award for screenwriting, but her movies that she wrote were nominated in every single category but one that year. Wow! That's how important she was at the time. And again, who has even heard of her today? I hadn't, and I went back. <laughs> I went back to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. and then I went to IMDb, and you can see a list of the things that she wrote. It's incredible. I, I couldn't believe some of the because some of the things I've seen I'm like I didn't know that. Now what's a it's favorite true. what's a favorite story of yours that really kind of blew your socks off that you were like holy smokes I that's just incredible. You know I think it's so hard to choose a favorite among them right um, but I have to say I think my favorite might be Alana Nazimova. I mean this is a woman you know she was. In 1920, she was the highest-paid performer in America, male or female. Everyone knew her name. In fact, she was so famous and so revered that she went by one name, a la Madonna or Cher. Everybody knew her. But she also happened to be an openly feminist, bisexual Jewish immigrant who totally embraced her identity and pushed every boundary she possibly could. And this was in 1920. And I just find that absolutely remarkable. That takes a lot of chutzpah. 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 Yeah, There's exactly. two ways to pronounce that. One That's means right. one and one means another, according to uh, Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I don't know if I got no, the right really the true. right one pronunciation on that one. Hopefully you did. I think you did it perfectly. Great. And she has chutzpah to spare. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> spare chutzpah. I like that. Now, yes. have you been to um, St. Louis before? I have never been to St. Louis, and I'm so excited. So if there are things that you know you want to tell me that I need to do, please do. Well, we can tell you a lot of places to eat also. (laughs) We're really big into eating. That's the most important thing. (laughs) No, and and we've got uh, Amy's here, and you've probably talked to Amy several times on the phone. We were, uh, in the first half hour, we were going over the history of the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival and who was going to be on, and we, we... we just briefly mentioned you because we knew we were going to be talking to you. And uh, so I don't know if you have any questions for Amy or if, Amy, if you have any questions for Elizabeth. 
Well, I just want to say that we're so excited that Elizabeth is coming to St. Louis and it's been great to work together. Elizabeth and I have um, had fun working on the program and what um, she'll be doing in St. Louis. And I think making this our, you know, capstone women's night is just such a natural choice because of the message that it sends to all women and all people. And that's what we're really most excited about what um, Elizabeth will bring to our audience is just that inspiration of these women that came before us and also the women that are still doing incredible things today. Hopefully that message carries to the whole, all, everyone that's there and down to um, young women, young girls who can hopefully be inspired and changed by uh, this story. That's a great comment. Now, Elizabeth, I have a question for you. <clears throat> when you, sure. or, or maybe this is a publishing thing, but I don't know how publishers and authors work because mm -hmm. I'm not. I don't run with with that crew. I don't even <laughs> run with the uh, media crew. I just run with Ellie. That's right. That's all you need. <laughs> Me and Chris. You guys sound like fun, so I want to run with you. <laughs> we, we we do have a lot of fun here on the show. I I look at the cover of the book, and it's very engaging. It draws me because I can see uh, Barbara Streisand, I can see Anna Mae Wong, now that I know Anna Mae Wong, and uh, a couple others. But it, it draws me to look at the book, which you know book covers are supposed to do, and then the title, Renegade Women in Film and TV. How much did you have input with uh, uh, the illustrator, and how much is that that the publisher engages in producing a cover of a book like this? Oh, that's a good question. And thank you, by the way, for the, um, the lovely compliment. I cannot take very much credit for it. So um, I can tell you, I, I also love the cover. That was the work of our extraordinary designers in-house um, and also our amazing artists. But I can't take a little credit because um, I originally wanted to use old photographs or photographs for the book. But it was very hard to find, um, you know, great pictures from those earlier years. And so I started thinking about other ways that I might bring the past into the present. And I became obsessed with this website called Women Who Draw. And I looked through hundreds of portfolios of incredibly gifted women. Um, and then I asked a few of the illustrators on the website if they'd like to submit a sample portrait. And then when this young artist named Austin Claire Clements, she sent me a sketch, and I let them choose who they wanted to do the sketch of, and she chose costume designer Edith Head. And as soon as I saw her sketch of Edith Head, I absolutely knew this was the direction that we should go in. Um, and she was amazing. She, didn't, she had never worked on a book before, um, and she just took to it immediately. And she actually brought something, in addition to her incredible talent, she brought something really special to the book, which was that when she started turning in each portrait, we noticed that she had made these beautiful wallpapers um, behind each woman. Hmm. And I complimented her on them, and she said, well, look closer. And I realized she had hidden Easter eggs from these women's lives into each woman's wallpaper behind her portrait. So if you look, for example, Dorothy Arzner was the only female director in Hollywood in the 1930s. And because of... Um, page limits, I wasn't able to put this fact in, but it is important. She actually invented the boom mic. And so if you look at her wallpaper, although it's not in the text, the boom mic is in the wallpaper that Austin included um, behind her portrait. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. When you think about that, again, going back to the 1930s, a woman in a male-dominated field 
and still allowing herself the freedom to go out and do great things that has that revolutionized the industry. And how often do we hear about that? And it's I think so true. It's such a testament so to Elizabeth, to what you've done with this book, that it is not only filled with this incredible information and these stories, but as you're sharing, it is visually just stunning. And that's something that caught my eye long before um, we met in New York and we heard about your story. But when I saw this book, it just was something I wanted to share and put on display. And um, I think you've really just put together such an incredible piece. We're excited to share it. You know, and I would oh say my gosh, thank you so much. How, how valuable that is, because one of the things, one of the, the basis of the show of In Tune is to highlight the gaps of history and the information that we've not received. And we've, we've focused a lot on African-American history. Yes, right. We've not focused, and we have done women, because of the NASA women. Yes. Uh, we haven't done things like this, like the boom mic. That's... That's like a whole nother rabbit trail for me. <laughs> that is. And, and I know when we really look at the contributions of Jewish authors, you know, it, they, they really serve several purposes because they're telling a regular story. But then there is the whole, um, the pain that, that Jews have gone through in this country and in the world, how their uh, contributions have been negated, you know, and it's just so good to see this. So because, again, we all need to learn the more we know about history, general history, mm-hmm. the, the less likely we are to harbor prejudice and hatred. Because then we realize that without this person or that person or whatever, these people, certain things wouldn't be. Right. That's right. So I appreciate that, that you took a look not only just at the starlets, Elizabeth, of the 1930s, that we always hear about the starlets and, you know, the casting couches and the this and the that. But to look at the more technical women, you know, is also a good thing as well. Yeah, well, one thing that you guys, I know, talk about a lot on your show and that I really came to understand while writing the book is how subjective history really is. Mm -hmm. You know, we think we're learning the facts, (laughs) but we're really learning the facts that historians choose to record as filtered through their own personal lenses. That's right. As we always know, history is his story. So it's almost like whoever wins the battle gets to write the book. That's right. And so that's what we've lived with in this country for so long is a story of the conquerors, you know, and they have negated everyone else to their own benefit, you know, and it's just like, well, I did this and I did, yeah, but you know, look at all these other people behind you that really helped make it happen. I can really see this book as being a, in a film class, like at Webster absolutely, University, absolutely. one of essential reading, because what you have laid out is a chronology and you show that, hey, these doors you know, the glass ceiling is there, you know, it's broken now, okay, I'm busting through this wall, I'm making a door, I'm walking through the door, and now there are entire, probably film producers, directors, people behind the camera, uh, you know, the technicians who are women who now engage in the profession because of all of these uh, ladies who have gone before. And like you said, at the end of the book, it's like, okay, well, yeah, we all know Oprah, and, you know, but how many people had to do what they need, had to do so Oprah could do what she did. That's right, exactly. And that's what books like like what you're bringing to the book festival, that's why those are so important because they bridge the gap between um, what we hear as the beginning of whatever to what we see, which generally is very exclusive, 
not inclusive. But you're right. In between there, there's all of these other people that have done these great things that just go unnoticed. But certain names are the only ones that get the credit. Like, they did it all. And so we are so happy to have this type of material presented. And it's right. You're right, Arnold. It should be a part of required reading so that people get a true understanding of the history of the industry. Right. So 50 women that you uh, that you picked out. And was there a struggle to, I know you mentioned this briefly earlier, was there a struggle to get those 50? Or did you have like, oh, gee, I've got like 57 and I need to whittle this down. Or, oh, I've only got 42 and I need to get some more. Why 50? Was it like <laughs> one for every state or... I started with a hundred, and it was a struggle just oh. to get to that. <laughs> I, it was—I could have done a thousand. Wow. And in a way, that's sort of what Ellie was really saying. Um, there are there's just an entire parallel track in history mm, that we are not aware of. But these women, these pioneers, have always been there. The fact that we don't know about them is almost irrelevant, right? Because they've always been there. And that is what I talk about. Um, you know, what I'll be talking about at the presentation is this, this entire sort of shadow history that's always existed. And there are, I mean, I could fill volumes with all of the incredible women who have innovated entertainment. Okay, that's your, that that's your task. <laughs> that's your task, okay? Are you Create yeah, volumes. Yes, they're go- yes, so <laughs> going to be a volume, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so it was so hard when they said, okay, well, they came back to me after my, my hundred, which was such a struggle to get to, and they said, now you have to cut it by half again. Um, and I couldn't do it, so I asked them if I could have another couple pages in the back for a chapter called Still More Renegade Women. So I snuck in uh, like an extra 20 because I just couldn't end it at 50. Um, but again, if we could do a second volume, I've got the next 50 ready to go. Ready to go. Wow, huh? that's cool. <laughs> okay. That's well. neat. So we've been talking to Elizabeth Weitzman, who is a critic for the New York Daily News. She's also a journalist author of many children's and young adult books, more than two dozen. She was named in 2015 one of the top critics in New York by The Hollywood Reporter, master's degree in cinema studies from New York University and a longstanding member of the New York Film Critics Circle and the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. She's going to be appearing at the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival on Thursday, November 7th at 7 p.m. And you can get tickets by calling 314-442-3299 or going online at stljewishbookfestival.org. And that's- I want to make one point, though. You must RSVP for this by November 1st. Thank you. Yes. I, I made my notes because I'm going to RSVP. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Not the day of. <laughs> you you got to be ahead of the game. You got to be ahead of the game. That's why they say RSVP by November 1st. We will still have tickets at the door for people who are walk-ups, but we are hope that we'll get as many RSVPs in advance so we can plan ahead. Um, but uh, it's open and we want everyone to come join us because as you can hear, Elizabeth is incredible. She is. And I've been looking through your booklet here and I've even found friends here, personal friends and people that we have had in the studio ourselves. As a matter of fact, Beth Koritz was just here on Monday. Oh, yes, great. Uh, and she was recording her book Resilience Road right here. Wow. And Sherry Glantz is a personal friend of mine. 
and we go to her home on Thanksgiving, which is an interesting thing because we're the only, my mom and I are the only two black people in there and her kids still kind of look at us and they say, and how are you related to us? <laughs> so we've told, them, we've told them this big story. So <laughs> they think we're their cousins. Better be the same every year. <laughs> That's Aww. right. Exactly. And then um, we had, let's see. Um, oh, and then Vicki Atlas, Israel. Know her from the Chamber of Commerce. She's extremely, wow. these are extremely very, very talented women. And they're all right here. Yes, those and they are, will be here on Tuesday, November twelfth. Those are authors from our local author series. That's our Missouri Zone Day, yes. where we highlight all local authors on Tuesday, November twelfth. And I'm just so excited to see that I know three of them. That's I'm great. great. I'm big, Elizabeth. Any <laughs> any closing comments for you? Um, well, it was such a pleasure speaking with you all, and um, I'm so excited to see everyone um, on November 7th. We're going to be talking about everything we discussed tonight. We're also going to be showing some of the work of these incredible women. Um, we'll get to see the very first film that I mentioned by Alice Guy Blaché. I'm actually going to show it, oh, cool. which is very rare to get to see that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on today, Elizabeth. We greatly appreciate it. We look forward to uh, seeing you, and I loved what you called that shadow history. I, I, yeah. Matter of fact, when I title this and put this online, I'm going to entitle it, you know, shadow history, uh, because it it really gives an understanding of things that we should know that we that we don't and that are hidden. And I'm glad that you're shining a light on them and bringing them to the forefront, so we can all be a little more educated about where we've come from and where we will be going. So, yes, well, I definitely have it on my calendar for November seventh. At um, 7 p.m.? That's right. That's right. I I'll can't wait there. to see you there. I know. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Elizabeth, thanks very Me much too. for coming on In Tune today. Oh, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Folks, we're glad that you stay tuned. And we're going to talk more about uh, words and books in our second hour. But, Amy, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. STLJewishBookFestival.org, 314-442-3299. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Mm-hmm.